All right. It looks like the red light is on. We are live. Another LinkedIn live conversation. And this one is going to be really special. Um, I think the first time I met Frank Eliason, Frank, I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember the rock stars of social yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, quick shout out to Chris Brogan. Yeah, Chris Brogan. It was, and he was like, uh, remember, he was dressed like uh, he was a member of Public Enemy or something like that. <laughs> you know, I'm actually, you know, it's really funny because you've seen me speak. You know, you know, I typically am highly engaged, but I'm actually quite introverted. And back then, I was not used to this weird attention. Uh, and literally, right after I got done speaking, Chris dressed like that. <laughs> actually escorted me out the building so I can at least have a few minutes to myself to get my like self back together again. Cause being introverted, you get your energy right. that way. And it was uh, quite a fascinating experience. Well, especially if he's escorting you dressed as a member of the S one W's. That was the first time I met you as me, you, Paul Greenberg and my buddy, Michael Thomas. And Radiant Six put it together, and that was like the first time we had a chance to to meet and talk. So, oh, what a great crowd that is! And uh, Radiant Six, uh, what a great company that was, and now yeah. with Salesforce, obviously. Yeah, but you know, very cool people there. All right, now of course, beyond that, <laughs> you, you were the guy that really, to me, I think, really introduced social to customer care when you're at Comcast. And everybody remembers, well, with gray in their beard, at least, uh, that remembers the at Comcast Cares. And that was you. I mean, you started that whole thing. Off. I did. I did. It'll be 11 years, uh, first week of April. Wow. 11 years. Yeah. We could, we could do a thing on that. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, you, you've, uh, you went from there, you went to city, you started your own firm, you've done independent consulting and and that's what you're doing now but in addition to that and the thing that i really guess we're going to talk about today is you also work at an amazon fulfillment center i do i started uh back uh, late november at uh what they call ewr8 which is uh robbinsville new jersey which i have funny thing is i used to have my house was literally around the corner i used to be able to walk there wow. when they were building it so uh <laughs> now i drive back there for some ungodly reason but, <laughs> um yes yeah, so i started working there and it really came down to uh, you know health insurance you know health insurance if you're independent can be outrageously expensive yeah. uh, especially if you don't meet certain income thresholds and so for me, for a family of four, and I always try to have a, a certain HMO style, uh, was costing about $36,000 a year. Uh, and I, it, it's at times when you're a consultant, you have times where you're making a lot of money. And then you have other times where you're like, please, something come up. Yeah. And I, I'll be the first to say I'm not the greatest sales guy going around. So there's times where <laughs> yeah, and you know, and so I was sitting back, going, "I need to figure something out about this health insurance." And you know, the commercial came on the air uh, about Amazon and hiring at their fulfillment centers, and they have a number in the area or whatever, as well as drivers, etc. And they're paying like fifteen dollars an hour plus, and you get benefits. I'm like, well, you know, what? maybe I'll try this for the holidays and see what I think. 
And that's what I wound up going in to do. Uh, we'll get more into that in a moment. But I start working nights there on weekends. So I could still do consulting during the week. Uh, but Friday night through Monday night, my 40 hours, uh, I, I go to Amazon. What was really uh, interesting is as you're doing all that, you're, you're and you did a lot of research before you actually stepped into that. Why don't you talk about, you know, kind of what you were looking for and why you were doing the research and how that helped you with your decision? Well, actually, my research started years ago. So uh, years ago, I used to live around the corner from the Robbinsville uh, Fulfillment Center. And they were, they were building it to 1.2 million square feet. Think about how big that is. Uh, it is. It, it was the second largest in the world. I believe now it's the third. I think they opened a bigger one uh, in, in Illinois, but I could be wrong in all that. Uh, could still be built for all I know. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is a huge fulfillment center. And so yeah. when that was being built, there was a lot of discussion about Amazon warehouses and some of the issues that have happened there over the years and even some, you know, people that may have uh, died or, you know, heat strokes or whatever uh, in Pennsylvania. Uh, and so, you know, I researched that back then because people were talking about it and it was part of the conversation around town. Do we want to, Robbinsville is literally the center of New Jersey. It is also the center point between Philadelphia and New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, you know, there was reasons for, to choose that place for a fulfillment center. Uh, and it's right. Highway access is just amazing. And so, you know, there was a lot of discussion about this. So I don't like taking people's word for things. I always research things. So I researched it back then. Then, uh, you know, this job thing comes up and it wasn't something I was planning on. It was not, you know, I, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do this. It was literally a radio advertisement uh, that they were having. Hey, we're hiring, you know, and oh, I actually guess they were giving a thousand dollar bonus. Uh, if you work through the holidays, I'm like, that's a month, um, get an extra thousand dollars for working a month. I could do this. Um, but you know, you, you know, their benefits were you know, my bigger driver. And so I, I researched then and it happened so fast. I basically, I decided maybe it was a Tuesday. I forget the exact time. Like I'd have to look at the days. Um, but anyway, we'll say it was a Tuesday. I think by Thursday, I decided to go on over and you know fill out an application and so i went over to fill out an application and you know it, it was quite an interesting process i walk in there's a room full of people and maybe one or two of them were actually amazon employees these were all people applying uh, this is interesting basically finally i got up to someone and said what do i do and they pointed me to this computer fill this fill out an application okay so i typed in my application took all about you know five minutes or less and at the end of it, it gives you a little game. Um, and actually, at the end of that, it says you're hired. Um, wow, really? <laughs> so you go and play a little game and uh, you get hired. <laughs> and and it all, like this was like five minutes. But basically, you had to go through a drug test and you had to uh, have some type of orientation thing, which I'm still not quite certain about because I don't think I quite got. Uh, but anyway, that time wasn't really that useful. I'd go pick up my kids. So it said, what time would you like? And I said, okay, they, they had a time at seven o'clock that night. 
okay, I'll be back at seven. So I came back at seven and walked in and said, okay, who's her, you know, who I am. They just escorted me back to put some stick under my tongue for like ever. Uh, and that was the drug test. Uh, first time I had a drug test like that, but okay. Uh, then I get sent back to sit in this other spot where I thought I was waiting to get a tour. Uh, there was some video playing that was kind of, a little bit about what they do i we were it was on a loop so you saw it about 20 times and uh it's kind of like it's ridiculous then someone <laughs> literally talked to us for a minute and i left and literally i think it was about and my start date was already picked out it was going to be the next friday assuming background check and um you know everything came, and the drug test came back in time and so then you know, right before that, you get an email saying, yes, you you passed your background check, you passed your drug test, your start date, start orientation is at, I'll say, nine o'clock on Friday. And so you go to that. And, that, and when I say nine o'clock, I don't mean nine in the morning, nine o'clock at night. There's about 200 of us in a room. And literally, they split, you know, you, you, they did some things with you for a little bit, and then they literally split you into wherever you were assigned to had no clue what I was getting assigned to person next to me was assigned to gift wrap. I was sat there going, please, no, please, no, please. <laughs> um, funny thing is I actually managed gift wrap 20 years ago at Macy's, but like a whole other story. And so then, uh, I wound up being in an area called the ship dock, which is basically where your packages leave the building. And, um, you know, and I, between that night and the next night was training and then you were wow to the races and you've been there for a little over two months now, a little over two months, almost, almost th it'll be three months next week. Okay. So what led me to just wanting to have this conversation as we kind of touched on a little bit, there's, there's a lot of discussion, a lot of talk about things that happen in uh, Amazon fulfillment centers. You hear th people discussing safety issues or hard uh, trying to keep up with the work because it's a, kind of a breakneck pace. You have metrics you have to kind of uh, keep uh, making sure you hit or you get written up and things like that. There was an article that came out <clears throat> from what the Atlantic that it was a pretty extensive thing. Uh, they yeah, talked to a lot out. of a lot of folks on that one. Yeah, that came out November twentieth, and literally that's the same week that I applied. So I I actually did know it at the time, and you know caused me to have some concerns. You know, you sit there going, oh, "Do I really want to do this? Is is this real?" Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so I was definitely had some concerns. Okay, and that is something that is, you know to know about i mean you read it any job you get you sit there going is this what i should i be doing this mm -hmm. and you know that's exactly what happened okay and so you know that that's my my start of my amazon experience okay now fast forward to i guess uh, a little earlier this month and there is a senate letter that was sent to uh i guess amazon and jeff bezos that sort of piggybacked off of that that article and started, uh, I guess, raising questions and concerns about things that are going on in the uh, in the fulfillment centers. And that seemed to spark something in you, because by that time you've had you've had a, a chance to actually work for a month, month and a half uh, and gain your own personal experiences. And that led you to write this really, I thought, very interesting, very informative 
gives gives a, at least your perspective from your unique perspective of all the experiences you've had uh, to talk about it. And and you name at the end of the art uh, of the article, you said, I'm proud to call myself an Amazonian. So I want to talk about the article. But before you actually go into the article, you wrote it. And and you did something that you usually don't do when you write something. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, well, remember, I my background was obviously Comcast, which have people really know well about, but also Citibank. You know, and anytime you're talking uh, banking, you're talking, you know, conservative, careful. And so I'm used to that world. And, you know, I never really knew what the policies were at Amazon even though I could have looked into them, I guess, but I didn't really know what their policies were regarding social media. And to understand, you're not even allowed to bring a phone into these buildings, and we can discuss that a little further, because mm. uh, it's a policy that kind of, uh, at first, I didn't really like, and then I, as time went on, the light bulb went on in my mind. But, you know, so, you know, I, I that article itself and, and the letter struck a nerve and, you know, I, I felt the need to say something. So I, you know, was driving, listening to CNN, their head of communications was on discussing this uh, letter from these senators. And I basically said, I have something to say on this. And so I normally don't write to that, you know, corporate offices or anything like that, or give any previews of my thoughts, but it was one that I really felt the need needed to be said from me. And so I wrote to them to make sure I basically I didn't want to get fired over it. Right. Uh, and so I wrote to them and it was really I wrote to Jim Carney, who actually was kind enough to forward it to some people within my business unit uh, at corporate who wrote back to know you're absolutely allowed to. Here's things to do. Here's things to avoid. Like and some of the things we're to, to do is to basically be clear. And I'll be clear in this video. These are my views. These are Amazon's views. Um, you know, and, and other than that, being truthful about it. And so that's what I shared. And so, yes, I did something I don't normally do, but that's because I wasn't looking to make waves, but I felt it needed to be said because I think oftentimes, you know, we hear these things in the news or whatever, and the context may not be there. Right. And what I thought was interesting when you told that to me a little earlier that they responded to you as quickly as they did and they didn't shut you down. They sent you the policies and they just said, you know, just, we want you to be aware of it, but you know, we're okay with what your thoughts are as long as you, you know, stay within, stay away from trade secrets and things like that. Yeah, exactly. It, it was all normal stuff and nothing to, you know, that I would be concerned about and, you know, and so it was, it was good. And I, I really appreciate them taking the time to do that. All right. So we kind of set the stage. So you, what did you want to get across? Because it mm -hmm. sounds like you, and we were hearing from and in particularly you wrote the you actually wrote this article before the PBS Frontline documentary came out. It, it kind of had a lot of former uh, Amazon fulfillment workers talking about it. And let's let's face it, it was I don't think I heard anything positive coming from those folks. Well, yeah, it was really interesting because I, I did not know the Frontline piece was coming out uh, or anything about it. Uh, obviously, timing-wise is quite interesting. Uh, so I took the time to watch it last night. I found the whole entire thing to be a hit piece. 
uh, which, you know, I usually expect more things like that from uh, organizations like PBS to be a little bit more balanced. Yeah. In the areas where they were talking about the fulfillment centers, they were talking to former employees. And so I want to provide a little bit of perspective. And let's take, you know, I've mentioned it before, let's talk about the hiring practices. And I mentioned it briefly in the article, and I think it's probably more important to, for people to actually understand how hiring happens. You know, they hire a lot of people and, you know, they do so fast. There is no interviews. I did not, you know, meet with people. I literally went in, filled out an application, came back, went through the drug screening and then had a background check and I was starting. Literally, wow. that's the how it all works. So they didn't give you any like a physical endurance tests. They didn't no, give you strength no. tests or anything like that. Yeah. And and truthfully, you don't fully know the job you're applying for. Uh, it's not as fully clear. Maybe that to them, and maybe to me now that I've been there. But without being there, you know, you choose something. You don't really know what you're choosing. Mm. And so I had no clue I'd be on the ship dock, which. If you think about it, it's probably one of the more enduring type roles in the or in that organization, and you know, and, and so, so just so people know what that is, what exactly was ship dock? That's filling the trucks. That's the stuff that's getting the packages that are sealed come through down conveyor belts, and we're sorting them as to where they're going. You know, some are going to be shipped via uh, Amazon delivery service. Others are being shipped by USPS. Others by UPS. Uh, some are being airmailed uh, because some of it goes globally at this warehouse. You know, to give you an idea of the warehouse, up to a million packages a day mm. go through this warehouse. This is not a small warehouse. And uh, how many people are there? And in, in how many robots? If you can give a ballpark, I have no clue how many robots. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and we should talk about that. Actually, let's get into this a little bit because. Yeah. You know, when I hear this discussion about the fulfillment centers, one of the things is almost all the details center from a 2010 article, and this was mentioned in the frontline piece, a 2010 article out of Allentown, Pennsylvania. And that article, you know, at the time, warehouses were really new. They were ex for Amazon. They were expanding dramatically. And did they make mistakes? From my perspective, yes. Um, and I think they even admit that. Um, but you know, t today their warehouses are also vastly different. One of the things that used to be the case is, you know, they would have these runners that would have to go get the merchandise and they'd have to run, think about it, a million square feet is 1.2 million square feet is Robbinsville. You know, imagine running that to go get the merchandise. Now let's take you to where the way it really is today. You literally stand in a station and I, I've not done this picking piece, but I did inventory and mm -hmm. It's the same thing. You literally stand in the station, and what it wants you to inventory, a robot brings it to you, and to, and then the, the scanner tells you what to inventory, or if you're picking, tells you what to pick. And so, you know, it's not that difficult of a task. There's no endurance of running all over the place. Literally, a robot keeps bring robots keep bringing stuff to you, wow. and and so, you know, if and if you ever have the chance, Google it. You know, they look like really big Roombas, um, <laughs> Roomba carrying a cart on top of it, wow. and it, it, they keep bringing you the different things that you need to do. So you're, you know, when you look at that older stuff, you are looking at people that were runners. That would have been strenuous. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, where the robotics has taken that strain away, it hasn't taken the job away. In fact, you know, what people don't realize is since bringing in the robotics, Amazon has hired a lot more people. Uh, and so, you know, these are things that are not mentioned in these things. Then you have, you know, these former employees who are the ones making these statements. Now, I want to tell you something. You know, as I said, you have an e- fairly easy hiring process. You know, mm-hmm. you have a pulse you're getting the job. Uh, and so, but the problem is this may not be the job for you. Right. And so you're going to go into this and I see it each and every night that I work, you know, the people that, you know, are off trying to chat with their friends or flirt with that girl over there or whatever, you know, they're not doing work now for me. And, you know, I, I make the point in my piece is I never concentrate on my numbers. I don't even know what's considered to be a good number or a bad number. Uh, and, you know, but I do know is they post them and I do glance at it. And I know I'm typically in the top five. Uh, now, then that's with like, you know, something like 100 people working, a lot of people working. Uh, and so, you know, but I'm not doing that stuff. I'm literally, you asked me to go do this job, I'm doing job. And I'm doing as much as I can because guess what? The more I do, the faster the time goes by and I get through the night. You know, when it's slow, you know, things aren't happening as much. The night goes by really (laughs) long. And so I much rather be active doing work. And so meeting these numbers has not been difficult. Uh, And I did spend a few weeks doing, you know, in a different area. So not ship dock, but inventory control where I was counting things. And my people came to me there. My, you know, I, I know I was there. I was there for at least eight nights, probably more than that. And I know at least on three of them, they came to me and said I was the top performer. Uh, um, and, and you're not even worried about metrics because you know, in that documentary, one of the one of the two takeaways I got was from the folks that were a part of that, where they they said meeting the metrics was hard, and then some said meeting the het- metrics wasn't difficult, but it was meeting the metrics while observing and staying in regulation of the safety rules mm-hmm. that that caused them uh, issues when they were meeting the trying to meet the metrics in a clean fashion. And yeah. you're saying that th- that wasn't your experience. Yeah. So, you know, and I will tell you, people do what they're measured. And this is one of my, I make the point in my piece. I think they have, their measurements aren't always the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll give you the example. I work on the uh, on the ship dock. So we're scanning toxins. And, you know, people want to get the scans in. Well, there are other facets to the job that are not necessarily measured by those scans. And you you do need to do them, such as, you know, every three feet, you need to wrap the pallet so it doesn't fall on someone uh, as you're filling them. And, you know, and so, you know, there are other tasks that you need to do. My observation has been, and I have shared this with leadership at uh, Amazon, is people don't, aren't necessarily doing those. They're not doing them because they want to hit these numbers. To me, that I debunk that because I meet the numbers and I do it. Uh, it's not hard to do it. Uh, the problem to it is, and the frustration is when you're the only one doing it and there's other people there and they're not doing it, then you kind of get a little frustrated that, you know, I'm the one doing everybody should be doing this. Right. Uh, and I know why they're not doing it because they want more numbers. 
that's that's on them and i think that you know there needs to be a different way to measure some of those things uh i also think that there's ways to measure getting things out to customers in a timely fashion um you know scanning things properly so they're actually measured uh i think there's a number of other measurements that could be put in place you know like in general they don't assign us to what lane you're on so people jump to the the lane where they think they can get the most scans in um, and which becomes a problem because then they ignore other ones. And so I think there's ways to manage this a little differently. But that being said, it's not hard to do the job and get the number and be safe. Uh, I try and be safe in everything I do. And, you know, I do make sure to, to wrap the pallets now, you know, and, and, you know, and other things such as, you know, not leaving an empty pallet on the ground. So someone trips over it, common th th way of getting hurt and actually very much hurt in an environment like this. And so, you know, you have to make sure you do those things. I do them. Uh, I have seen others not do them and I've seen them called out for it. So, you know, I actually do think management does try and keep you concentrated on being safe. I think it's, well, you actually mentioned in your post too, that it's, it seems like every time you go into a shift, you have like a meeting at the beginning and, and they even go over like tips and tricks for oh, safety yeah. and, and talk about the stretching thing too. <laughs> if you ever saw the movie gung ho, uh, <laughs> You know, where they're out in the field doing these exercises. Now, we're not doing jumping jacks like they did in the movie, but they, they actually have for pretty much every job uh, different stretches that actually go with the type of job you have. So on the ship dock, we have these huddles, and I didn't say it in the, the article. We actually have them twice a day, uh, once at when you start and then once at uh, after lunch, uh, which is 1145 to 1215. We'll call it lunch. <laughs> night um but anyway when we come back you know and what you do is they go over these tips while they're going over these tips there's someone like myself who is leading the pack i've sought to never have to lead the pack uh in these exercises and some are silly they're like moving your hands in a certain way um so but there's other stretches that are other parts of your body and they're actually and they have two different versions of it one that's done at six and one that's done in the middle of the night uh and it's because these are the muscles that you're using so it's actually well thought out uh and you know tested you know, they are trying to keep you that way. The other thing is they actually do encourage you to do it throughout your shift. And in some areas, not my department yet, but in some areas, they even have it where now the the, thing, the device you use to scan to, to do your work is actually telling you, you know what, stop, take a moment and do this stretch. It's telling you a stretch to do. Uh, and so they're doing that to, to change up that monotony, uh, but also to, for your body. And, you know, this is something that's quite interesting. You know, seeing everybody doing these exercises does give you that gung-ho reminder. And it's a little weird. Uh, and I also thought some of the stretches were really strange when I did them, like twirling my hands a certain way or whatever. But they do also encourage you not only to do it then, but if you ever feel like a tightness or anything, you should stop what you're doing and do it during the shift. And you know what? I have. And I, you know, even when we're busy, you know, especially when you're busy is when you tend to feel because you're moving a little faster than you normally do. And you're going, oh, and so you step back, you do that, loosens things up and you get back to it. And so 
they actually do encourage that. And you, you never hear these things in any of these things. You know, it's always these employees that are no longer there. And I'm not saying that, you know, that people, you know, that Amazon's perfect. I, I believe that, you know, they have some managers I've seen that could use some coaching, you know, so I'm sure there's some managers that overemphasize in different ways. You know, I say in my piece, I, I saw, I've seen some managers that are very big on the stick instead of the carrot. Mm -hmm. um, a few and far between, but they're there. And so I do think that, you know, some people may have had bad managers uh, or even maybe a bad leader of a, a thing, but I can't speak to what it was, but I can say over the two months that I've been there, to me, it's not been overemphasis on productivity as opposed to safety. And in fact, one of the things that happens is when you get your scanner and it does this at lunch as well as uh, at the start of your shift, it always asks you a question. And the question oftentimes is, you know, in busy times, is your manager uh, more focused on productivity or safety? Really? Yeah. And, do you, you know, that's one example there, there's, you know, tons of them. But do you get a sense that as each of, of employees take these quick survey questions that they actually are acting on the feedback that they're getting from it? I've spoken to the managers and yes, they do. Uh, and they get feedback on it. So, you know, if, if you think about it, you know, Amazon does have a history of being a very metric driven right. uh, you know, company. If they're, I know people at their corporate office, and they've told me this. And so, what I will tell you though is, managers have these metrics based upon these surveys. You know, the, the, so yes, do they act on it? Absolutely. The other piece to it is, and I, this happened to me once, uh, but there's every area has an area manager that's responsible for the whole entire area. It could be a lot of people that they're managing, uh, but they have to once a week, also pull together a grouping of, I don't know how many associates, but a number of associates and actually talk to them and ask them about safety. Uh, and, you know, it's really interesting because you get feedback on that. And I saw immediate changes on some things that, you know, I discussed and they were kind of silly stuff that, you know, it's like, oh, if we did this a little bit better, we would fix this. And, you know, literally changed that night. Yeah. Uh, and so, and the other piece to it is you see managers walking around, uh, and, and it's really funny. They're not Mike, at least my management team is not micromanaging, uh, people. They're micromanaging a lot coming down and dealing with that, but not like, you know, on top of you all the time. But, you know, one of the things I have noticed when they're walking around, they're picking up trash They're If a pallet is not properly, um, you know, is there empty that we put stuff on them to so that no one so you can easily see them. Uh, and so they'll find a cone and get a cone on it or they'll move it and get it off. Uh, and so and it's not like they even ask someone to do it. They literally do it themselves. Is that somebody? Is that on your end or mine? <laughs> I can't see. Uh, it's on your end. I should not be on my end. I don't even know who's trying to contact me, but hopefully they'll go away. Sorry about that. That was on my end. Oh, okay. That That's was all right. <laughs> Just want to make sure I, I was trying to figure out what was going on. Let me ask you. Uh, I'm at a place I normally don't have my uh, <laughs> set up, and I think it, it was Google is sending me a call. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, let me ask you. Uh, give me your sense of how the uh, employees, what's their impression, what are their thoughts on uh, the robots assisting? It seems like, you know, there's there's 
a certain, you know, kind of thought that says, you know, the automation or robotics are taking jobs. And then there's the folks that are saying, you know, they make, you know, they may take certain jobs, but the net net is more jobs will get created. What What is the perception uh, from the employee standpoint in the fulfillment center around the robots? And, it's and a fantastic question. What I would say from an employee, I think you see the same thing you see in the world. Uh, you see a mix. You see people that are like, oh, they're going to take our jobs. And then you, you, there's another aspect, which is, you know, as Amazon has brought in these robots, they've actually hired more people. And that's statistically, you know, something anyone can look into, but their fulfillment centers have grown with these robots over these years. And so, you know, and the jobs are just different than they were then. Uh, and so, you know, I, I personally think that there's going to be, yes, there's some jobs that may go away. There's other jobs that are going to happen, you know, in, in place of them. So for me, that's the case for people that have been there as more robots came in. They're more acknowledging that, you know, oh, you know what? They did hire more people. Whereas a newer employee might be like, oh, see that? Because we have like some big, huge robots that do cool things. They're like, oh, they're replacing us with that. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, you know, and then you, you can say, well, you do the math on that. Probably not. Um, you know, and so, you know, you see a mixture. Um, but at the same time, most people are like, you know, let's just to have fun now and do do what we need to do yeah. uh, and so i don't see a negative towards the robots in fact most of the time the reaction is more like cool uh especially the first time they see it uh carrying these big yellow things and, and oh that's what happens especially people like my area the ship dock which is you know there is some robotic stuff and there's conveyor belts to do different things it's automated um and so, you know, but then when we go into these other areas and sometimes it's the first time um, you're like, oh, that's pretty neat. <laughs> um, you never get to see it otherwise because you're always in the loading dock. Well, you saw the 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 uh, PBS thing. What what was the thing that really uh, you felt they got wrong the most? I think there's a lot of things they got wrong the most because, you know, I'm an early adopter. I've had the Amazon Echo from the first week it came out. Uh, I have the Amazon Echo Auto, and I've had that uh, fairly early on. Uh, I think that there's a number of things. I think they tried to over-dramatize the fear, uh, especially, oh, they're listening in. I, I, I There's an overemphasis on older employee, like former employees. You know, I, you know, the one guy who was the chief technology officer, I think he was employee number one. He yeah. came across to me as... Um, Someone really missed out on some stock options and was really upset. Um, you know, and I, I don't know if that's true. I'm just, I'm giving you my take on what it was. Uh, he's probably a good guy, but it, it, it lost credibility because it wasn't balanced in its approach. I think too often what they're missing, like in the fulfillment centers, is the amount Amazon has hired over the past 10 years uh, and the people that they hired. You know, there's a, I work with a wide range of people. You know, I, I made this point in the post too, which is people are just coming out of homelessness because they're now making enough money that they can actually afford a place to live. And have benefits too, like health benefits, right? Exactly. Uh, I think that's tremendous. Uh, then there's people like myself who are doing it for a totally different reason. But you know what? Th these are good, this is the, the wage that they're paying, they mention it. Uh, and they only mention it as a Amazon statement said, but it really shouldn't be Amazon statement said it should be 
we should see more companies paying $15 an hour at minimum and sometimes higher in, in other places. You know, it, it shouldn't be the company statement doing that. The, the, they should have done that. That should have been emphasized because we need more companies paying above minimum wage uh, and, and starting to change that dynamic. You know, and so Amazon led the way with that. Uh, and so I think that there's a lot of aspects that could be said differently. And I'm not going to sit, you know, as I said, it's not a perfect company. They're not perfect managers all over the place. You know, people are going to have negative experiences. People can go, I'm sure there's some people in my warehouse that may feel differently than I do. Uh, you know, ultimately, you know, there's a balance to all this. You know, most of the people I interact with are perfectly happy. Uh, and, you know, there's camaraderie working nights, uh, especially weekend nights, because uh, we all, you know, everybody seems to have a very similar schedule, so you see them every week. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think that's another piece to it. You know, there are other stories out there, and I think they're positive stories. They're positive societal stories. You know, I also think that there's positive societal stories about technology and different technologies, such as the Amazon Echo, that makes it easier to do things. And, you know, that is something that I think needs to be emphasized. You know, do we have to have conversations about things like privacy and all that? Yes. But it should be mixed with what is the balance of what we're getting? And the other piece to it is, you know, I know they wanted to try and emphasize that, you know, like the Echo's listening when you're, it's not, that's not true. And that's been, you know, when they have had issues, they fix that. Uh, you know, it's not there all the time. It's listening for that keyword and that's when it starts and that's what triggers it. You know, but instead it plays into the fear that people have that may not be willing to have this in their thing. We have to stop playing into people's fear and start bringing a more positive aspect to, about society. No wonder everybody's fighting with each other, you know, over stupid things. We don't have a positive outlook. There are a lot of positives going on. There's tons of positives at Amazon, you know, and why aren't we talking about those? Why aren't we talking about the health benefits that truthfully are cheaper than when I was at uh, Citibank? Mm -hmm. You know, that to me is amazing. You know, I was paying thousands of dollars a month at Citibank. I'm not paying that at Amazon. You know, and so, you know, these are the things that I think we're missing in society. And I think it's easy. It's easier to go find that negative and put that negative out there. And people seem to get excited about that negative. You know what? Let's find some positives out there. There's great things that do are happening in the world. You know, and if we need to have conversations on things that may not be as positive, make it a true conversation and balanced. You know, bring both sides to that story, you know, so people can see it. Yeah, one thing I I was surprised and I I pointed it out. The one one of one of the voices that was missing in the uh, call uh, in that documentary was the voice of the customer. I didn't yeah. You didn't hear anything directly from the customer, which I thought was kind of interesting. I thought there was a point where they tried to make fun of it. Uh, they did a montage of the different people from Amazon that talked about the customer and like positive light and like think like customer. It was a montage that, in my view, was kind of making fun of them for doing that. Yeah. You know what? It is what we talk about. Even at my level, I could tell you Christmas time, there was people that are working on the ship dock, not managers who are like, let's get out there because we're going to get these to them before Christmas. You know, today's the 23rd. We still have a shot. Let's get it all out there. Mm. And 
that that is think about that that is odd that you don't usually you wouldn't think to hear from someone moving packages on a in a warehouse you know but that's i could tell you i know exactly who it was i can even point them out if they're if you know you know the fact is that is the attitude and that is a good attitude that's why amazon has the reputation it has because it's how they typically thought about things you know and so don't make fun of it talk to a customer and see how they truly feel when they get surprised that that package comes that same day you know and and i think that that is what gave amazon the reputation it has all right let me just kind of wrap up this has been great i i you could talk about this all day but i know you got things to do <laughs> it's like get some sleep before your next shift at amazon too. <laughs> but so you're two plus months into this uh how has your perspective on amazon changed over the two months that you've been working my perspective actually is really interesting. I, I, I've realized something, and it's just over the past few weeks before this article, and so I end this article where I talk about this, which is, you know, for the past, what, since I left Comcast, I've basically been in senior management roles or consulting where I'm working usually with the C-suite. And one of the things I, I've realized is I have so much fun with the the newer employee that person who just they're fresh they may not know what to do they may be doing the wrong things i love those employees i love being in call centers where i was dealing with those employees and i've always worked to be an employee advocate i've always worked to be a customer advocate and so one of the things i've been pondering is potentially going into management at the fulfillment center never thought about it as my career path at all um, and over the past week, you know, especially as I think about these employees and the opportunity to do things, you know, differently or get them to see a different perspective, uh, I'm seriously considering, you know, going that direction. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's something that is on my mind. Uh, and it's because how often do we not have fun at work? I haven't had fun at work in years. You know, it, to me, it's not fun. It's a drag. I need to, you know, get things done. Um, you know, where I, and like, you know, a place like Citibank and you're at the senior leader position, it's truthfully a dog eat dog world. And I'm not into that. I don't want to destroy someone else for me to be better. Uh, it doesn't make me feel good. Um, and so I much rather do what's right for the customer, do the, the, the thing that's right. And so, you know, with all that perspective, I am really in considering that as potentially my next career path move. I, I am not 100% certain because that's a big income drop. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it's something that I think could be a value and make me feel good about going to work each day. You know, if you go to work each day and you're helping some employee better themselves. Yeah. Oh, one of the things actually just to point out another benefit that Amazon has, they actually have a benefit, which I, I haven't taken advantage of and maybe should, but where you could actually get trained to be anything else besides a warehouse employee. Wow. So you want to become a nurse, they'll pay for it. And yeah, that, that was one thing they did point out in the document. They did document. point out, but I thought it was also extraordinarily brief. It was. It was like an afterthought almost. It's yeah. like, oh, by the way, ninety—they'll pick up ninety-five percent of the cost. And, and but then they moved on to like. 
And it's it's all about bettering yourself and, and also society. There has to be, a, a, they, they want you to have, there needs to be some societal benefit. So the job can't be something that's really not going to add that value. Um, but the example they use is a nurse. And I think that's a great example. And, and so one of the things with working with these type of employees is it's basically, and I think the guy does say, you know, I've uh, be here for two years while you're doing that. And then you're going great. Right. You did say that. That was was a great point. But like you said, they kind of glossed over it. Yeah. And so, you know, but that to me would be a fun piece of management because you're helping not only do well in their career at that moment in this place that may not fit their longer term plans, but then you can also have the ability to help those longer term plans. How many companies have, oh, we have education reimbursement, but all has to, it needs to fit, you know, working here in the role you're in or whatever. And it's like, Amazon does the exact opposite. It can't fit. It's not about fitting the role you're in. It's about fitting society. Uh, that that to me is a big difference. That's a culture difference. Uh, and there's a number of culture aspects that I do love about Amazon. And that is definitely one of them. But it's how do I help someone really take value in that? And while they're at Amazon, be the best Amazon employee they can be. And I think that there's definitely potential there. So, you know, I'm having some conversations of uh, trying to figure out if that's what I want to do. And, you know, so more to come on that. But it's definitely in my mind. One last thing I thought about as you were talking about that, which was brought up uh, by the kind of disgruntled group there, (laughs) the uh, part about feeling like they're being watched (laughs) <laughs> and they have to scan all the time. What are, what's your personal perspective and 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 kind of give us uh, the lay of the land over there? First of all, they must think that people have tons of time to be doing to sitting there staring at these cameras all the time. Uh, it, it's kind of like the same thought I have with people that think the Amazon Echo is listening to them all the time and people are listening to everything you say. Who has the interest or the time? Um, yeah. So, yes, they do have cameras all over the place. And the cameras are more useful after the fact. If an accident happened, why did it happen? Um, or if there is theft. And, you know, one of the things that will surprise you. Now, there's high security at these facilities. You you have to go through metal detectors and, you know, and, and there's a lot online on that. And truthfully, I found a really cool belt that, you know, doesn't set off a metal detector ever. It's made with a 3D printer. Um, but anyway, it's now my favorite belt and I wear it all the time. Uh, but, you know, because one of my goals is never to set off the metal detector. Although <laughs> gum set off the metal detector, it's kind of uh, a nuisance sometimes. But, you know, what you don't realize is all that merchandise, including some of the most expensive merchandise, is not sitting locked up somewhere. It's, it is on, it's on these robots. And they come up to you. You know, I have a robot come up to me with tons of just uh clothing dog food and all kinds of other stuff but i can have one come up that has all the best electronics i've ever seen and all and you know you can't you that's how it works and so i you know when i originally really didn't like the metal detectors they've grown on me because i've seen how open it is uh, with all that and i think that that's something that and it's one of those things in how you talk to employees about why do we have this you know metal detectors or why do we have the cameras uh what do we do with those and i think it's helping people see that the the, there is business needs for these things and yeah we don't have pay a thousand people to watch the thousand people that are here 
all the time. It just doesn't work. Uh, And I think those are the things to keep in mind. Uh, And so, you know, yes, do they have cameras? Yes. And they're in pretty much any place uh, where there is, I shouldn't say any place. I think there's probably places like in the ship dock that are not as clear cut with the cameras, but like in the place where you're picking the open merchandise that's out, every one of those stations, there's cameras. And, you know, if they really want to watch me the whole time, Go right ahead. It's pretty boring. Uh, you know, you know. I know when I was doing the inventory and I'd say a robot wasn't coming, it would tell you a robot's coming in like 60 seconds and say a robot wasn't coming uh, for a few moments. Uh, I, I, I might be like stretching or I, you know, I, I like to, you know, it's such a big place. If I'm on an upper floor, I like to walk over to the edge so I can peek over and see uh, the whole entire 1.2 million square feet. Uh, especially if I'm on the fourth floor, it gives a really neat view of these conveyor systems that's above everybody that you don't see normally. Uh, and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> going, I wish they'd let me bring my phone in so I could get this photo because it's a really cool shot. Um, that's yeah. why they don't let the photo, uh, the phones in, I'm guessing. <laughs> no, no, they don't let them in because they sell the same phone. <laughs> and I, I have actually gotten my same phone in inventory and went, that's actually one of the things that was that aha moment. Because uh, one time I did bring in my phone and it was caught the whole rigmarole. It was just force of habit. Right. And, you know, and so, uh, and at that time I'm like, why are they doing this? This is ridiculous. Well, pretty much found my same phone during inventory and went, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I get it now. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and no, I wasn't taking a phone. I look, I have a crack on my screen. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, it, you know, so I kind of get it. Uh, and I'll, so I don't even think it's about the pictures because, you know, even in their policies, they talk about taking pictures and being careful of not taking where the customer information is or something like that. Right, right, right. The other stuff they, they're actually fairly open about. But, of course, you can't bring your phone in to take the picture. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of just a comical aspect of the, the policies. Man, this has been great. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time. And I, I enjoyed the article. I, I always enjoy when we get a chance to talk, which is r- rare these days, but I'm glad we were able to do it. And hey, man, uh, yeah, it sounds like you're still proud to be an Amazonian at this point. I, I definitely am. And I think it's it's, it's been fun. Uh, and I actually do look forward to going into work most days. All right. There it is. Enough rest ahead of time, you know, switching day and night. <laughs> I was going to say most nights, most days. There is sometimes a problem. I always try to take a nap before I go in Friday because, you know, I'm switching back to nights. So I I block out time in the afternoon to take a nap. If I don't get much sleep, I may not want to go in. Um, But other than that, I typically like going in. Oh, we're going to let you get across and I sleep in the parking lot. I've done that more than (laughs) <laughs> well, we want we want to let you get some sleep now while you're like not in the parking lot in the car. So, hey, I totally appreciate it. Thanks again for doing this, man. It's really oh, good. Anytime, anytime. I enjoy it. All right. Take care.